Okay, Genesis chapter 45. We're on our seventh message in our series on, the, on Joseph and God's sovereignty in the life of Joseph. On April 26th of this year, the New York Post ran uh, an article about the family of Michael Greenwood. Michael Greenwood was killed in a car accident in 1999. Um, that person who ran into Michael Greenwood that day was a man by the name of Kenneth Williams. Kenneth Williams had been serving a life sentence for the murder of someone. He, he had murdered uh, a teenage cheerleader and, uh, and he had been serving this life sentence. He had escaped from prison and uh, as he was escaping, he was driving his car at high speed and he ran into Michael Greenwood and killed him. He should have never been out of prison. He was in a place where he shouldn't have been. And, and he ran out and ran into Michael and killed him. And Michael's a father. Michael had kids. Michael's daughter, this year, learned that the guy who killed her dad had a 20, who was back in jail now, had a 21-year-old daughter who... He hadn't seen for 17 years. He also had a three-year-old daughter that he had never met. So the family of Michael Greenwood, his daughter, purchased plane tickets for this daughter and granddaughter. The three-year-old was a granddaughter, excuse me. Otherwise, the math doesn't work. But anyway. <laughs> so the, 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 the daughter of the guy who was killed purchased a plane ticket for this daughter and for this granddaughter to visit this man who was on death row. Listen to the quote that this daughter gave. She says, I told him we forgive him. And I told him where we stood. When he found out that we are bringing his daughter and granddaughter to see him and that my mom and dad bought the tickets, he was crying to his attorney. I told him we forgive him. How, how does that happen? How does someone come to a place where they can forgive the man that killed their father and grandfather? How, how does that even happen? How does this kind of forgiveness happen? Could you do it? Could I do it? How does this happen? What I want to talk about today from Genesis 45 is this simple concept. That forgiveness is what happens when we live in the light of God's sovereignty. Forgiveness is what happens when we live in the light of God's sovereignty. Now, we've been in this series for seven weeks now, and I've told you all the time that God's sovereign hand is working through our bad decisions and evil plans to accomplish what is for our good and for His glory. That is that God's sovereignty has been the theme of this entire series. So every week, as we look through the life of Joseph, we're looking at a new aspect of how we relate to a sovereign God. Today, I want to talk about how we are able to forgive when we live in the light of this sovereignty. Genesis 50, 20, I show you this verse every week. It's from the end. We're going to get there in two weeks. Genesis 50, 20, Joseph says to his brothers who had done horrible things to him, as for you, he says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What you intended for evil, 
God intended for good. If you're just joining us today, if you haven't been here or if you haven't been here in a while, let me bring you up to speed where we are in the life of Joseph. Because it's pretty important. If you remember way back at the beginning, Joseph ticked off his, his ten brothers who sold him into slavery in Egypt. Uh, I ticked off my brother a lot. I'm grateful he never sold me into slavery. <laughs> this was a big deal. They sold him into slavery. And over the course of the next 20 to 25 years, Joseph rose from slave to prisoner to ruler of the kingdom of Egypt. He answered to one person in Egypt, the Pharaoh. He was in charge of everything. He was the most powerful ruler in Egypt. And last week, we saw that these, these brothers, 20-some years later, come walking into Egypt because they're starving looking for food. And they end up in front of this Egyptian ruler who they don't know is, is their brother. And he recognizes them. And he puts an elaborate plan in place to test their transformation. And by the end of it, last week, we saw that these brothers who are in front of, of Joseph are in a really, really really bad place. But today we're going to see something wonderful happens. It's not justice for Joseph. It's not vengeance. It's not the illusion of completeness that we think we find when we seek out our own justice or revenge or vengeance. But rather it's forgiveness. Because forgiveness is what happens when we live in the light of God's sovereignty. Forgiveness is what happens when we live in the life of God's sovereignty. So we left off last week. The brothers were in this terrible place. Their, their, their brother, their youngest brother, Benjamin, who is their dad's pride and joy, who he, their dad, when they sent him down to Egypt, instructed, hey, whatever happens, don't let something bad happen to Benjamin. And they promised their dad that nothing bad would happen to Benjamin. And at the end of last week, we see Benjamin has been found with a silver cup in his bag. And the ruler, this ruler of Egypt, is going to throw Benjamin in jail. And they're going to have to go home to their dad and say, uh, Dad, the one thing we promised you that wouldn't happen just happened. And so we see Judah. <laughs> Judah. Judah. We see him standing before the ruler of Egypt, crying out to him. Look at the last verses of last week's passage, just to set the stage for where we're coming today. Judah says, and, and you could just hear the emotion in his voice. He says, now then, please, let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave, in place of the boy Benjamin, and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if this boy is not with me? No. Don't let me see the misery that would come upon my father. Judah says, take me instead. Let Benjamin go. I'll take his place. You see this emotional crying out, this horrible place. Oh, and at this very moment when we see Judah completely broken before this ruler is the moment that Joseph's emotions break as well. All of his emotions now come flooding to the surface. As he sees the pain in his brother's eyes, and he feels the fondness of his love for all of his brothers. Look at the first two verses of our passage today. Then Joseph could no longer control himself. Before all his attendants, he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly 
that the Egyptians heard it. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. Forgiveness, friends, is what happens when we live in the light of God's sovereignty. And today, what we're going to see is that Joseph is able to forgive his brothers because he lives in the light of God's sovereignty. So as we talk about living in the light of God's sovereignty, I want to talk about two aspects of forgiveness. Now, I know you might think I'm crazy because I always preach three points in the sermon, but I only have two today. So it's like, you know, whatever. Two points today that I want you to know about living in the light of God's sovereignty. The first one is this. When we live in the light of God's sovereignty, it enables us to forgive others. It enables us to forgive others. All of these emotions come flooding to the surface for Joseph. He's been thinking about the disaster that his brothers caused him. He's also been thinking about God's sovereign hand and how this has positioned him for something good. Having examined his brother's intentions, he finally decides, I'm going to reveal myself and welcome them into the safety of Egypt, and I'm going to offer them full forgiveness. These are Joseph's intentions. His brothers don't know this. They don't know what his intentions are. So imagine what they think. From their perspective, look what happens in verse 3. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living or are he well? But his brothers were not able to answer him. Because they were terrified at his presence. They think they're already in trouble, and now it goes from bad to worse. Oh, crud. Like, this guy is not just some angry... This is the guy that we bound and threw in a pit and sold to the Ishmaelite who took him away to Egypt, and we left him for dead. Oh, no. Like, this is... They're terrified. They can't speak. They're so afraid. There's a sheer disaster. For all they know, 20 plus years of hatred had been building in their brother, and he is about to seek his revenge. Things have gone from bad to disastrous. One thing we need to know about the sovereign hand of God, friends, is that there's a truth in this. And the truth is that God's sovereign hand is usually found, and it can be found, and is always found in the most disastrous of circumstances. His sovereign hand is always found in the most disastrous of circumstances. Joseph had learned this when he was sold as a slave. Does it get worse than that? And now his brothers are about to learn this. They think God is punishing them. It's sort of like karma. They, they, they think karma has come back to get them. And that they're about to pay for this, their misdeeds. They've already said this as much back in chapter 42 when things are going bad. And they just think, man, God is out to get us. Right? The beautiful thing about our God is that God doesn't work on karma. But we all be toast. God doesn't work on karma. But they think he does. Surely God has brought this disaster right to them. And the irony is what they thought was justice and divine retribution was really a blessing. You see, truth be told, for you and I, God's methods, the methods of his sovereign hand, how he works in the most disastrous circumstances, it can often be 
difficult to, for us to figure out. It can be difficult for us to figure out that God's hand is at work. We can't recognize it. Now, it's true that God never causes evil, but he uses evil. He uses evil. He uses it for good. So what may seem like a disaster to us is actually not. I am reminded of this truth every single week. Every single day of my life, when something disastrous happens, when something bad happens, I'm always reminded of the sovereign hand of God. This week was especially poignant for me. We are living out of a hotel right now because our house flooded up. Pipe broke on the third floor, or on the upper floor of our house. 2 a.m., my son Nicholas's room is in the basement, came upstairs. He woke me up and he said, hey, Dad, uh, there's a lake in my room and a waterfall right outside my room. Now, I'm sure it wasn't as calm as that. It was more like, blah, 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 blah. and I'm trying to wake up and figure out what's going on. And I walk out of our bedroom, and I walk down the hallway, and, and this the pipe that goes into the toilet had burst, and for four hours, as best as we can figure, it was flowing wide open. And I'm thinking, okay, well, there's going to be a mess to clean up. And I walk downstairs, and I walk into our kitchen, which is right below, and like all the can lights look like showers. They're just flooding. I'm like, okay, well... And so I go to the basement, and the same thing in the basement. And it's just kind of that moment where you scratch your head and go, well, I guess we'll clean up. And the next day when the insurance company came in and began to talk about us, he said, uh, you can't live here. Like, you have to move out. It's okay, so we're living in a hotel until it all gets fixed. And I'm reminded in all this that God's sovereign hand can be found in the most disastrous of circumstances. I don't know how. But if I find myself being grateful, man, there's a breakfast made for me every morning now. And like, we have, a, we have beds, and we have a place, to, and yes, it's inconvenient and weird and hard, and, and of course, the first night I got cold, and, uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm hacking and all this stuff, and, and I'm just reminded that somehow, in the most disastrous of circumstances, God's hand is at work. And it's sometimes hard for us to recognize. I find myself grateful for so much. I find myself grateful that my mother has the spiritual gift of laundry. Like, she, uh, she loves that. I know, it's crazy. But she loves it. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for friends who had us over for dinner. I'm grateful for insurance. Someone asked me, uh, oh, so on Wednesday, we're in the hotel, someone asked me, one of my kids asked me, so dad, how long before it takes this one to work into a survey? Yeah. Not long, but <laughs> we can see God's sovereign hand. He's at work, and I don't understand how, and I don't what, but I find myself grateful in the midst of this. When we understand God's methods are difficult to recognize, and that he is using the most disastrous of things to accomplish his good and perfect will, when we get this, then we can understand forgiveness. Because the reality is, a lot of times in our life, the disaster that besets us is instigated by a person who intends to do evil to us. How do you forgive a person like that who intends to do evil to you? Well, we learn with Joseph that we do that by recognizing that God takes evil things and he intends them, he changes them, and uses that for good. And we understand that God's methods are difficult. But when we do, they're difficult to understand. But when we understand that he's working, we can forgive those who create disaster. <clears throat> so 
Joseph's brother, he looks at his brothers, and he just sees like this deer in the headlights, oh crud look on their faces. And it, it's really, he draws them in. And he says, come close to me. Come close. And then he says, he's about to tell them why he's able to forgive them. And don't miss this. I'm going to read this text. It's very important. Take note carefully of the use of the word sent me. Look at the text, verse 5. Watch for this word. He says, he draws them in close. He says, don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Hmm. For two years now, there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will not be plowing or anything. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by such a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me, but God. He made me the father to the Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of Egypt. Joseph makes no mistakes. He does not see his brother's evil intent here. Because it was <clears throat> What he sees is that God sovereignly took that and he redesigned it to save this entire family. And now Joseph can forgive his brothers. He lets them off the hook. Do they deserve to be forgiven? No. They, what they did is unspeakably horrible. Do they deserve to be forgiven? No, they do not. But Joseph can forgive because he gets that God did something awesome through this. Because God's sovereign hand is using their evil stuff to do something good. <coughs> For Joseph, forgiveness is what happens when he lives in the light of God's sovereignty. He can forgive his brothers. He can refuse to hold their evil against them because he got that God reworked them for good. Can you and I live in the light of this kind of sovereignty? Can you do it? Can I do it? Because let's face it, there are people in our lives who have hurt us deeply. If you are a human being, you have been hurt by somebody. And all I have to do is mention this right now, and God will bring someone to mind in your life who has hurt you, who has done something that they intended for evil against you. Maybe it's a boss or a neighbor, a fellow Christian. Maybe it's a spouse or, or an ex-spouse. Maybe it's close friends who have betrayed you and broken fellowship who have sought their own selfish gain. Does the pain still linger? Does the mention of that person's name stir a pit in your stomach? If you're going through the grocery store and you see them, do you turn the other way and walk away from them? See, you and I understand this pain. We get what it's like to be hurt by others. Are you paying a daily price for their sin against you? And what's more, is there zero dependence on that part? How do you forgive someone like that who doesn't deserve to be forgiven? 
You and I can only do it when we live in the light of God's sovereignty. How does Joseph do this? Well, he understands that God is using their actions, and he knows that God uses our evil for good. Part of this, friends, is this depth of reminder of the gospel. How do we forgive those who don't deserve it? All you have to do is look at your own life and realize how drastically and devastating you have sinned and hurt old God. And yet this God still is one of us. Giving up his rights and privileges as God, letting his creation sacrifice him, and taking our place. And this God offers this free and wonderful forgiveness to us. And it was his sovereign plan since the beginning. What people intended for evil, God did for good. So when we settle into the light of the sovereignty of God, we can rightly extend forgiveness because we know we have been And when we do this, friends, there is this great joy that comes. The joy of a restored relationship. I mean, it's amazing. The story continues. Once Joseph reveals himself and, and he tells them why he can forgive them, he gives them instructions. He says, here's what you're going to do now. I'm going to load you up with stuff. You're going to go home and go get dad and tell him that, hey, I'm alive. And because five more years of famine are coming, Joseph said, and if you don't go get him, he'll die. You'll all die. I want to save you. Bring him back. Come here so that you can live. Look at verse 14. Then, this is so great. 20 plus years of pain. And he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and he wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all of his brothers and he wept. And these are tears of joy. He wept over them. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. There is this beauty of a restored relationship. What had been broken, because Joseph lives in the light of God's sovereignty and can offer forgiveness, is beautiful. It's, it's a restored relationship. It's tears of joy. It's talking. Because he lived in the light of God's sovereignty. Sometimes you and I are what prevents us from having a restored relationship with someone. Because we can't get past what they did to us. Friends, the only way for this joy to happen is that you begin to understand that God is going to take their evil stuff they did to you and use it for good. And you can forgive them. And you can find the beauty of a restored relationship when you live in the light of God's sovereignty. That's the first aspect, is forgiving others. The second aspect is forgiving ourselves. At first, we are trying to learn how to live in the light of God's sovereignty and forgive others. We're also going to find in this text that we need to forgive ourselves. The story continues. The brothers load up all their stuff, and the Egyptians find out about it, and they celebrate too. So Joseph and these Egyptians are just like, there's a party going on. This is great. So they just start giving them stuff. They give them carts and, and, and like donkeys and animals. They give them all this stuff. 
Uh, I mean, they had donkeys coming out their ears, right? They're there already with this whole thing to go back home. And on a side note, with this forgiveness piece, you need to remember that this account was written by Moses 400 years later as the Israelites had just escaped the Egyptians and crossed the Red Sea and escaped these hundreds of years of slavery that they've been put under. And the Egyptians were not their friends. The Egyptians were the enemy. How weird is it for them to read this as they're going up the promised land, seeing the Egyptians in a positive light? I mean, it's this just interesting note of forgiveness right in here that Moses reminds them that uh, we, paint, we paint people as completely evil or completely good. And, and here's this reminder, is even those people that just put us in slavery, like, they did something good for us. It, it's just a powerful reminder of forgiveness. Anyway, the, the brothers are loaded with wealth. It's in part to bless them, and it's part, in part to prove to Jacob when they get back that something incredible has happened. And so Joseph, Joseph sends them on their way. Look what he says in verse 24, though. There's a double meaning here that's kind of neat. As, as he's sending his brothers off, Joseph says, sends them away and says, as they were leaving, he said to them, don't quarrel on the way. Now, <laughs> I think Joseph understands these brothers, and he knows them, and he's like, okay, stop bickering, right? Just get along. Like your mom, you know, like, can you all just get along? And there's that aspect to this that, hey, uh, you know, just, just stop fighting. But there's something more going on here than that. Um, there's the aspect in this, in, in the grammar here, not just don't, don't squabble, but also don't be troubled. There's that double meaning in this word. So not only don't bring trouble on each other by squabbling, but don't let yourself be troubled. Why would he say this? Why, why would he do that? Well, because you know these brothers. They've, all throughout the story, we found that the guilt that had been residing in them for what they did to Joseph can't you see them two days on the journey on the way home going, I wonder when Joseph's going to change his mind. I wonder when he's going to send the army after us and slaughter us. Because this whole forgiveness thing isn't real. We have trouble. And Joseph tells them as they walk away. He's saying, don't let this guilt eat you alive. Don't be troubled. But the forgiveness I give you is real. Forgive yourself. It's the same sentiment that was on display back in verse 5, which we kind of skipped over. But if you look back there, right when he revealed himself, he said, verse 5, And now don't be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for settling me here. Joseph gets this, that there's this sense of guilt that's eating away at them. But forgiveness of self is what happens when we live in the light of God's sovereignty. Forgiveness of self is what happens when we realize that what we may have intended for evil to harm someone else, the guilt that weighs down on us, God is also capable and does take that and do something good. It's not just about what happens to us, it's about the evil that we mean for others. If you are like me, there's certain things in your life that you've done that you can't let go of. There's a memory, maybe something, I, I should have done something I didn't do. I should have intervened when I did. I, I should not have done some evil thing that I just did for selfishness and I hurt someone else. All we got to do is talk about that for a while. For some of you, there's some kind of guilt that's laying on you. 
what happened in your marriage? What happened with your parents? What happened with your children? What happened with your friends? But when we live in the light of God's sovereignty, we understand that we don't have to spend the rest of our lives wallowing in the guilt. We don't have to spend the rest of our lives looking over our shoulder, wondering when the bad thing's going to happen to us. The truth is, there is no sinful choice that you and I can make that can thwart the plans of God. I'm going to say that again because that's so important. You should write it down. There's no sinful choice that you and I can make that can thwart the plans of a sovereign God. Just let us settle in. What did you mess up? Your friendship? Your marriage? Your families? Did your lives destroy someone else? Did you bring pain to someone? There's no sinful choice that can thwart the plans of a sovereign God. Just let that settle in and allow yourself to, to experience the full forgiveness that you have in the cross of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of self is what happens when we live in the light of God's sovereignty. You know, some people say that time heals all wounds. That's not true. I don't think it is. Time heals some wounds, but others linger, especially the kind that we inflict upon ourselves. And the truth is, God heals all wounds in his time. See, the gospel reminds us that you and I didn't earn forgiveness, but we're still forgiven. Lingering guilt helps, helps no one. Lingering is part of living in, in a lie that somehow if you feel guilty enough, they'll pay for your own sin. But they'll never pay for it because Jesus paid for it. We must seek the forgiveness of others, but we already have it. Of God. We live in the light of His sovereignty when we accept this. God's timetable might not move as quickly as we like. Sometimes it's difficult to accept that we have been forgiven. Healing takes time. But God's plan might be bigger than the span of our life. And normally, while we're waiting, we worry that God is going to grow weary of, and when is the other shoe going to drop? Friends, when we forgive ourselves like Joseph is in his brothers to do here. That's what happens when we understand that there's no evil thing that you can do to afford the plan of God. Because God is going to take it and he's going to do something good with it. And in that, you got to walk into forgiveness when we live in the light of that sovereignty. There is something different, friends, about people who live in the light of that sovereignty. There's just something different about them. You've met these people. I have too. There's less worry. There's less distress. There's less guilt. Because there's forgiveness. Because there's an understanding that God is using evil for his good purposes. The evil that we've committed. The evil that others have. So listen to the final words of Jacob. The brothers get home. They've got all this stuff. Proof that something crazy happened down when they were in Egypt. And they come down and they tell their dad that the son that he thought had been dead for over 20 years he thought he'd been dead is really alive. And look what Jacob says. Find look at the joy of it. So they went out of Egypt, verse 25, and they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, and they told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he's ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was 
uh, understatement of the year, stunned. Uh, he, he didn't believe them. But they told him everything Joseph had said to them. And when he saw the carts, Joseph sent back to carry him back. The spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel, or Jacob, said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive, and I will go see him before I die. Do you see the joy of walking and experiencing the sovereign hand of God? Hope has returned to Jacob because he's learned to walk in the light of God's sovereignty. So what I want to know about you today is can you walk in the forgiveness that comes from experiencing this light of the sovereignty of God? Can you do it? Can I do it? Who do you need to forgive? Choosing to see God's sovereign hand in their sinful actions. Who do you need to embrace forgiveness from? Where do you need to quit looking around and wondering whether their shoes will drop? Let's stand in the light of God's forgiveness. What Satan intended for evil, God intended for good. What others intended for evil, God intended for good. This is the message of forgiveness, and it's why we can forgive others. And it's the only way to live in the light of God's sovereignty. Forgiveness is the only response when we truly embrace this. We've been singing this song every single day called Sovereign Over Us. Because the bridge of the song is taken from Genesis 50 20. Even what the enemy meant for evil. That's what the chorus says, the bridge says. Even what the enemy means for evil, you turn it for our good. You turn it for our good, for your glory. His sovereign hand is working in our lives to bring forgiveness. I'm going to ask our ushers to come up now, and we're going to pray and then take your offering. If you can feel free to drop your community cards in there. We love it when you share with us who you are and how we can pray for you. And as they come up and we take the offering, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing this song. Stop us. When we get to that bridge, sing it loud. This is a beautiful truth. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We're going to worship you in this beautiful way and celebrate your sovereignty and thank you for this forgiveness that we can walk in the light of because of what you are doing and how your sovereign hand is working. And even what others mean for evil, God, you're going to use it for good and we can forgive you because of that. Would you give us the courage and the power to live in the light of your sovereignty, to live in forgiveness? In Jesus' name, amen.